So this song was made famous in the 1956 movie, Alfred Hitchcock movie, The Man Who Knew Too Much. Uh, I don't know how, that's never happened before. A man knowing too much. But uh, it starred uh, James Stewart and Doris Day. And this song actually became Doris Day's calling card, her signature song. And she later had a sitcom and this song was used on it. And this song, Que Sera Sera, Whatever Will Be, Will Be, is one of the things that she became known for. Why do I play a clip of that song? This song also expresses the false understanding of one of the greatest attributes of God. And that's his sovereignty. I've only heard this phrase expressed in a very fatalistic way. Whatever will be, will be. But too often I hear the same thing, the same fatalistic tone when we talk about the sovereignty of God. Oh, well, I, I guess we just got to leave it to the sovereignty of God. What will be, will be. God's sovereign and nothing we can do about it. First of all, I want to let you know right now that when we talk about the goodness of our Father, we never have to have a fatalistic tone because our Father is good and only good. And life isn't always good and only good, but our God is. So when we talk about His sovereignty, a lot of times I think we're mistaken. Slight rabbit trail. If you're only familiar with the Doris Day version of this song, and not the Sly and the Family Stone version of this song, you are missing out because that song is as cool as the other side of the pillow. You just, you got to hear it. Que Sera Sera by Sly and the Family Stone, 1973. You need, it needs to be part of your playlist. Okay, I'm back. The sovereignty of God. What does it mean? I started off by saying what people think it means. They think it means Que Sera Sera. He will, God is sovereign and He will do what He wants. And you and I can't do a single thing about it because of the sovereignty of God. Wrong. 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 Our God is not some religious icon up there that is where His, his decisions are set in stone and His plans you know, are, are without the need for us to be engaged into, into what he has for us. When we talk about the sovereignty of God, we should be talking about the goodness of God. The danger of this misconception is this. It causes us to pray less. Why pray when God's already set what he's going to do? Why pray when the sovereignty of God is already established? What, what's going to happen? Que sera, sera. And because of this misunderstanding, we often pray less. Many times people blame the sovereignty of God for the world's problems. Assume that nothing can be done about those problems. There's a misunderstanding in Scripture that, that I think leads us to this. In the book of Revelation... Chapter 6, we hear the voice of the martyrs who had died for the sake of the gospel and for the witness that they had given of, of Jesus. So in Revelation 6.10, it says, They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, 
holy and true. How long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? That sounds pretty helpless. I, you know, th- that has a helpless tone to it. But you've got to think, when you're reading this passage, who is it that's crying out? The dead, the martyred. This is a prophetic tone of those who, who have given their lives for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Jesus Christ. And they're calling out for the return of Jesus. But we see a passage like this as a standalone thing, and too often we pull it aside and we say, we're helpless too, and we are not. We are not helpless. We are to be engaged with a God who is good. Church, as long as we have a breath in our lungs, we have the power of prayer. And our prayer changes things. Our prayer changes things. Did you know that our prayer can change God's mind? It's all throughout Scripture. We'll get to that, not today. There are two misconceptions that I'll be teaching on. The sovereignty of God and the immutability of God. And that'll be next week. Immutability means unable to be changed, mutable, you know, mutation. God is immutable. He is unchangeable. So the word sovereignty is broken down like this. You've got the word sove and you've got the word reign. And reign means exactly what you think it does. It means rule. And sove means supreme. So we're talking about the supreme rule of God, the supreme reign of God. And he is indeed our supreme ruler. And he indeed has supreme reign. But this does not mean that God always gets his way. And that God gets what he wants all the time. That's another misconception in the church. That God always gets his way. Friends, that's not true. That is not true. So this might be a new concept to you. So let me just prove it in scripture. 1 Timothy 2, 1-4 says this. First of all, then I... So not eighth of all. I just need to... Not 29th of all. First of all, then... I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to know the knowledge of the truth. Jesus strongly desires that all people know him. All people come to know him. He strongly desires that all men are saved. So let me ask you a question. How often do people die without knowing the salvation of Jesus Christ and the love of him? How often? Every minute of every day. Every, every second of every day. 
Every minute of every day, God doesn't get His way. Because the Word tells us He desires that not one would perish. That all people would know Him. One more scripture. 2 Peter 3.9 The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That word patient is translated as this, to not lose heart, to persevere patiently and bravely in enduring misfortunes and difficulties. Let me read that passage again with that inserted into the definition, okay? Guys, please hear this. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises as some count slowness, but is not losing heart with you. Jesus is bravely enduring difficulties, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You guys, it doesn't just disappoint Jesus when someone dies without knowing Him. It doesn't just disappoint Him. It wrecks Him. It wrecks Him. It wrecks the Father when one dies without knowing Him. And we said that every minute of every day, people are dying without knowing Him. You know, with that translation inserted, I talked about Jesus enduring the difficulties. What difficulties does Jesus have to endure? The difficulties of knowing that some are turning away his gift of salvation and that are dying without him. That is not his plan. Hell was not created for us, for people. It was created for Satan and for the demons. It wasn't created for mankind. So Jesus has difficulties. Yeah, it wrecks him. It wrecks him when someone dies without knowing him. First and foremost, I earnestly am trying to convince you that supplications and prayer and thanksgiving and intercession be made for all people because I desire that not one would die without receiving my salvation. There's nothing passive about that, friends. There's no room for passivity in the kingdom of God. There's no room for us to be passive about our faith. There's no room for it. Nothing that Jesus says in his word is passive about the need for people to know Jesus. So what can I do? What should I do? What can I do? First and foremost, pray, pray, pray. We are to be people of prayer. We are to be defined by our quickness and our hope and our strength and our passion to pray. Prayer. Prayer for one another. Prayer for our leaders, for our rulers. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say not everyone in this room voted for Donald Trump. But we are called, every one of us in this room, if you bear Jesus as your Savior and you bear the name of Christ, you are called to pray for for Him. For those who did vote for Donald Trump, you're you're called to pray for Hillary because she still has a voice in this nation. She still is a leader in this country and we're called to pray for her. I don't care what your stance is. I got an answer for it. Pray. I don't care if it's a donkey or an elephant or an emu. 
That's not my notes. It just came to mind. Emu. We're called to pray for our leaders. Our sovereign God asks us to pray. And he says this, when you pray, I respond in power. God has given us the answer for what we should do when hardships and difficulties come to you. God has given us the answer for what you should do when hardship and difficulty comes to your family. God has given us the answer for what we should do when hardship and difficulty comes to your nation, comes to your region, comes to your town, comes whatever, comes to your business. Pray. Second Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people who are called by my name. And I want to make it abundantly clear. When he says called by my name, that's not just saying Christians. We're Christians. We're little Christs. We're called by his name. No, you're called by his character. We're called to represent his character, his goodness, his name, his integrity, his steadfastness, his trueness, his faithfulness. Those who are called to his name, that's what we're called to. Not just, not just his surname, his character. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Then I will hear from heaven and I will hear from heaven. What an interesting thing. What an interesting thing for God to say. I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. So what exactly does God need to hear from heaven about? This passage I'm about to read, we need to grab a hold of this. We need to grab a hold of this. It's really hard for us to be the church without grabbing a hold of this, okay? I'm trying to set the stage here. I'm building it up an appropriate amount because it's this important. It's really hard for us to be the church without grasping this next verse that I want to read to us, okay? Matthew 16, 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. God needs to hear us operate in the authority that he has given us by the completed work and the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ. We have been given these keys. We just don't use them. Keys always represent authority. We've been given these keys, friends. If we've given our lives to Christ, we've been given these seas. What the Father needs to hear, what heaven needs to hear, is us operating in that authority. And us speaking in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. See, and when I speak in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ, I'm a little louder because I'm loud and I'm excitable. Now, I was born in North Carolina and raised in Southern California, so I've got this weird, like, Southern, like, uh, surfer accent. 
and, and I say in the name of Jesus and I, and I speak like that. But it doesn't matter how loud you are or, or, or with the, the fervency that you, you, your delivery comes. It's about the conviction in your heart that you believe it and you can say in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. See, I get loud. Even in my whisper, I get loud. But you, you get the point. We got to speak in the authority of Jesus Christ. That's what heaven needs to hear. That we believe that what Jesus did for us is true. That we believe that we have the keys to the kingdom and that we bind on earth is bound in heaven, but we loose on earth and loosed in heaven. And when we do, the supreme ruler of the universe responds. Our prayers move God. Our prayers move God. When there's, when there's an accident or if there's an emergency and a first responder gets to the scene, they can be in the most chaotic of situations and they have peace and they know what they're doing when they get there, regardless of how chaotic it is around them. And if you ask a first responder, if you ask a, a, fire, a firefighter, how did you know what to do? Their answer will always be the same. Repetition. Repetition. We do it again and again and again and again and again when we aren't in the fire. So when we get in the fire, we know what to do. Repetition. Repetition. Our God is moved by our prayers. Our God responds to our prayers. Our God is stirred by our prayers. Our God responds when we pray. Our God wants us to pray. Our God responds when we pray. We need to convince ourselves of this. We don't pray enough. And I don't even know how much you pray. You could be like, you don't know me. (laughs) You know how much I pray. I don't know how much you pray. I'm just telling you, you don't pray enough. And you don't know how much I pray, but I'm just telling you I don't pray enough. If I really believed this, then we'd be like the prayingest fools ever. So let me, let me fill you on the importance of authority here on earth. I just got done saying that he binds and he looses in response to our initiation of authority. Here's the importance of authority. When mankind was created, when Adam and Eve was created, God gave authority and dominion to mankind. We were created to live in dominion, to walk in authority. That's, we're created that way. God gave authority to mankind. We were always meant to walk in the authority of God. We were always meant to walk in dominion. Always. God created mankind. He gives mankind. But then, what happens? Sin. Adam and Eve sinned. Mankind sinned. Mankind loses authority. 
loses the authority God gave us in the garden. Who did mankind lose the authority to? Satan. It was lost to Satan. If you remember, when Jesus was tempted, Satan told him, look at, look out at all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory and all their splendor. I'll give it all to you if you'll bow down and worship me. And Jesus didn't correct him. Because Satan's, Satan's, he had the authority. He was given the authority. Jesus didn't correct him. Now what Jesus did do, but he smirked a little bit because he knew what was coming. And then on the cross, he gave his life and he shed his blood and he died. And then he conquered death and rose from the grave. And what did he do? He got the keys back and he gave it to us once again. We had authority. We lost authority to Satan because of sin. Jesus dies on the cross, pays so that we pays the price for authority and gives us authority once again. But there's a but. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. His work is done. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's done. It is finished. We have to operate in that authority. We have to move in that authority. We have to understand that authority has been given to us. We are the priesthood. We're a royal priesthood called to rule and reign. We're called to live in dominion with authority. And we exercise that authority when we stand in the name of Jesus and we pray and we declare. We have to bind. That word bind means to forbid, to prohibit, to declare to be illicit, to prohibit, to declare it to be an intruder. In the name of Jesus, I bind cancer. Not of my authority, but in the authority of Jesus Christ. Cancer, you are illicit and you are not welcome and you must go because of the name of Jesus, because of the work of Jesus. We have to loose, which has the most amazing definition. Here's the definition of loose. To deprive of authority. How awesome is that? Because we have authority, we get to deprive the enemy of authority. Sickness of its authority. Shame of its authority. To deprive of authority, whether by written rule or act. Man, I only wish we had some sort of written rule that we could proclaim to rob the enemy of authority. If only. Oh, the word of God. We stand on the word of God. We hide the word of God in our hearts. We get the scripture. We say, the word of God says this, which means Jesus says this. And so I stand on what Jesus says. And in the name of Jesus, I declare. And we quote scripture. Not to be some like religious, you know, person, you know, but because there's power in it. Because there's power in it. Other definitions of loose, to do away with, to declare unlawful, to loosen, to break up, to demolish, to destroy. And this might be my favorite, to overthrow, to do away with. Guys, if we want heaven to respond in this way, these ways, we have to initiate it with faith and standing on the work of God. In our prayers, if we simply think it's, it, it's, it's such a gray area, guys. It's such a gray area because our good thoughts don't accomplish jack. 
When I see someone in the hospital and I see on Facebook and someone's like, hey, I'm sending you my prayers and my good wishes and, and you, know, you know, good wishes for recovery. I don't know. That's sweet, but it's totally powerless. It's totally powerless. Our good wishes won't help someone recover a single second, but our prayers will. Our prayers will. Because what we're doing when we pray is we declare Jesus is bigger than your situation and I'm praying for you. I'm interceding for you. I'm going to the Father on your behalf. If we want heaven to respond in these ways, we must first initiate them in the identity and the authority of Jesus Christ. Or, or, we could just sit back and lean on the sovereignty of God. Whatever will be, will be. There's no room for that passive nature when we walk with the keys of the kingdom in our grasp. We don't sit around and, and que sera, sera. It's a lie. Whatever will be, will be. Yeah, you know what? You tell that to Lazarus. Tell that to Lazarus. Lord, you, you didn't get here soon enough. If only you'd have gotten here, Lord. Oh. Yeah. Jesus called him forth. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come out of that grave. Live. Death. I say you're, you're a foreigner and, and you're, you're a trespasser and you have no place. And so death, I take away your power. Lazarus, come forth. That's the authority we're supposed to walk in in our lives. And, and please, be you when you speak with it. Be you. Josiah, you're, you're a quiet dude, man. So when you pray, you don't got to pray like your dad who's a loud dude. But you've you got to be convinced of it. Sickness be gone. In Jesus' name. You can stay no more. It's not about how loud it is. We're just loud. But you've got to believe it. You've got to be convinced of it. You don't got to wait till you're 27 to walk with the keys of the kingdom. When you bear the name of Jesus, you walk with it now. You don't have to walk. You don't have to wait until you've kicked that bad habit. I've given my life to Christ, but I'm still doing, you know, I still have that really bad habit. I'm still doing this thing that's, you know, I know it's compromised. You still have the authority. You don't have to wait till you clean yourself up. You, you just start walking as one who believes in the power of God and you'll be amazed at those things being broken off your life. If we've got Jesus, then we have the keys. So my question is, what are we doing with them? Because our God is sovereign, we don't pray less because our God is sovereign. We pray more.